Hey, hey, Sunday, Sunday night, November 1st, 2020. Holy cow. All right, welcome back, Left Coast Love 2020, your Sunday night uh, spiral. This week, we got some interesting stuff. We got Halloween in the book, so we're, uh, we'll spend a little time getting you up to speed on Halloween, Left Coast Love style here in California, at least uh, in the town I live in. Um, and then we're going to take a big uh, little breather from everything that's going on, and I'm going to do a couple of mini reviews. been watching some stuff on Netflix, uh, caught up on a bunch of comic books, specifically Batman and Spider-Man. So even if you're not a comic book person, at least, uh, you know, I, I will stick with, uh, with Batman and... Uh, Batman and Spider-Man because uh, there's some interesting stuff going on there uh, these days. Also, uh, Roger Waters of uh, Pink Floyd fame has released uh, a Blu-ray and a CD or download, if you want, of uh, some stuff from his 2017-2018 Us and Them tour. So I want to talk a little bit about that. And then... Um, uh, towards the end here as we as we wind down with a couple of days left before the election I got a couple of a couple of thoughts about being on the edge and and some stuff just in general not really political but more speaks to what's going on out there but we got time to get to that so let's have a little fun first hey Halloween <laughs> Halloween in my neighborhood is uh, this year was something else. So uh, we live on a couple of, it's uh, like two cul-de-sacs. So there's a main road that comes down and then two cul-de-sacs that, that come out. And a lot of kids out here and with, uh, with the COVID and, and kids being home, we, uh, our, our Facebook group for our street, Christy Court, uh, put together a, a, a kind of a Halloween open house parade, but outdoors, uh, people brought their, uh, I think maybe they were taking some cues from, from Club Garage, and we'll talk about that, but uh, uh, bringing the patio furniture out towards the front of the house, so we had fire pits in people's driveways, and people decorated over decorated the front of their houses and we all shared a box of uh, plastic gloves and made little uh, individual uh, bags of treats for the kids and had them laid out on on a table so that when the kids came by they could come up uh, we had uh, uh, Stacy and I were dressed as Ghostbusters uh, we, we tried to get Jackson the dog we have a costume for him but when you put him in a costume, he just stands there and stares at you. He won't move, so he, he ends up looking like the uh, the saddest dog ever. Uh, we had all kinds of fun in the neighborhood. Everybody was out. Uh, like I said, we had a couple of fire pits going uh, in our garage. I posted the video on Facebook, but we were showing uh, Nightmare Before Christmas and Corpse Bride in small... You know, kind of people will come in and just talk for a little bit with the masks and then kind of pass through, pick up their uh, candy bags. 
and um, all the kids on our street stayed on our street, and it, it was cool. It was good enough. Uh, Stacy brought some cupcakes and leftover uh, Halloween cakes from from the bakery at her. Uh, uh, she works at uh, Lucky's, the grocery store. Uh, they hired a lot of extra help because uh, they're getting a lot of business these days. So uh, she's been making some Christmas money and they had leftovers. So we got the, uh, <laughs> on the night of Halloween, the discount cupcakes and cakes and stuff. So the kids were super, super stoked with that. Um, much in the same way, I think us having Althea's birthday party, and I talked about that a couple of weeks ago, helped uh, kind of draw the neighborhood out and in a little bit closer so uh, like I said our our garage has now become um, somewhat of an outdoor space with the stereo and the TV and the streaming and everything out there as well as the uh, the lawn furniture which now has cover so uh, hopefully hopefully this will be a tradition that that keeps going um, well, so trick-or-treat, boo, we got through it. Now let's get on to some of the reviews. So, um, I don't know if you've heard about this. If you have, I'm sorry, but I'm going to just jump. Uh, I'm either sharing something new or I'm jumping on the bandwagon. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, on Netflix, and I don't, you know, I think I heard about, I heard about it somewhere. And I got curious and started watching. It's called Money Heist when you look for it on Netflix. But um, it's a Spanish, a Spanish drama that's about uh, a bank heist in in Spain. It's actually uh, the heist of the the Spanish mint where they print uh, euros. And uh, um, initially, I. I think it was released with subtitles because it is a Spanish uh, television show. And as I was doing a little quickie, grabbing these pictures here for the folks that do watch on YouTube, uh, I, I noticed that this is actually, I guess, the number one show on Netflix worldwide. So I don't know that it's caught on huge here in the U.S., but it is really awesome. The... Uh, they have a version where it is dubbed in English, and it's uh, the voice actors do an excellent job. And just the story and the idea behind this particular heist is each time you think you have seen it before in another, you know, Ocean's 12, 13, 14, Mission Impossible, uh, you know, you name it, uh, Inside Man. Uh, bank heist type movies that uh, there's I'm not going to do spoilers but all of the actors are, are give really great performances the uh, amount of action and intrigue it does it does suffer a little bit from what I call the like Netflix uh, Amazon miniseries fatigue which that there are certain parts where there is a lot of dialogue, a lot of exposition going on uh, from one character to another. And given that this is in the middle of a heist, I really don't know, uh, uh, you know, how much of that is actually uh, 
you know, could actually happen versus made for interesting intrigue in the storytelling. So, but overall, I think the other thing that really made made me go from episode one, I think I blew all the way through, excuse me, through season one, is that um, part of the heist includes them taking over the, the Spanish Mint for a period of time. And basically they lock themselves inside of the Mint with hostages. And that's not really much of a spoiler because any of the, the pictures or uh, images that go along or that are available in the trailer let you know about that. But what it does is it becomes, because they are confined in there for such a long, uh, long period of time, you can start to see each of the characters exhibit kind of a different reaction, as well as the hostages, to this long period of confinement and confinement under pressure. So over the course of the first season, you start to understand that... Uh, the combination of confinement and pressure drives out people's true motives. Like really what, what's going on? What are they thinking about? What's making them um, make the decisions that they make? And considering, what, again, what's going on in the world around us with most of us either working from home and supporting our kids while they uh, do the homeschooling stuff, it's, it is, it's a lot of confinement and a lot of pressure. And I know that at least anecdotally on the news, this has led to an uptick in domestic violence and other types of uh, mental uh, breakdown, uh, breakdowns or episodes. And the longer we, we stay confined and under this type of pressure, I think we can only expect more of that. But this was, I thought, a really worthwhile diversion, and apparently there's a couple of seasons uh, ahead, so um, I don't know. I'm almost to the, I think I'm almost to the end of season one, so, and I think they just got renewed for a season five, so highly recommend uh, The Money Heist. Um, I think it, it hits on all levels. Now, over to comic books. Oh my god, this weekend, I finally had some time to catch up on my Batman and Spider-Man books. And typically what I do is I save them until I either have like a complete story arc or a good, you know, six, six seven issue chunk so that I can really get some momentum in the stories. Um, much like what I was describing with the Netflix series and the Amazon series now, they, these probably would have been movies of the week a long time ago, and now they break them out into 10-episode uh, seasons. So it's a lot of uh, decompression, a lot of elongated uh, uh, expositions, and they kind of drag out the storytelling. And comic books have been undergoing the same sort of change over the past 20 years with the... Um, with the advent originally of when we had all of the brick and mortar bookstores, but um, even now online, which is they uh, wait until usually six issues come out and they collect them into into uh, what they call a trade paperback or a, 
or a nice hardcover that collects all of the ish, you know, six months of uh, worth of issues. Uh, sometimes they make larger volumes and collect, um, you know, a year's worth of storytelling. Anyways, um, I had a nice big chunk of Batman and lately across all of the different Batman titles, there's been a storyline called The Joker War. And, you know, again, this is why I'll talk about it tonight because both Batman and Joker are well known. But in the comic books, the Joker has kind of been out of sight, out of mind, quiet, I want to say, for a number of years. And then starting ooh, the end of last year, he started making his way more and more back into the comics, both with some miniseries as well as leading up to this big event. The Joker War, and I've actually been, you know, you can read the main story and just collect the Batman issues, but when they do a big crossover event like this, if it involves a bunch of characters that I'm interested in, typically I'll pick up all of the, the extra issues that go around it, and often those extra issues are just a money grab, and Marvel's usually the, the culprit here. You know, as part of their crossover, hey, go buy this book. And it ends up being like one panel on one page that actually relates back to that story. But these Joker War books, all of the, um, they're all buttoned together. And each of them even has scenes that look into other books. So uh, there's a scene in Batgirl that is that you see from one side. And then you also see that same scene in the issue of Detective, but from the other side of, um, you know, but from the other side. And I thought um, not only that, but each of the side stories actually moved the larger story forward. So without like giving too much away, the, sort of the crux of the <coughs> story revolves around the Joker coming back and using the other villains and especially Catwoman to hijack Bruce Wayne's fortune and take over Wayne Enterprises and have access to all of that money as well as all of the tech because we all know that's you know kind of the underground back doorway that Batman gets his tech. Um, one of the things though I, I thought we could have done without here in the Joker War stories was we had um, Batman, I would say, Batman's tripping again. So, I mean, if there's one character in a comic book that's been drugged, gassed, smoked, poisoned, oh my goodness. I mean, over the years, he's been exposed to more toxins from Scarecrow to Jokers to uh, you just name it. And again, in, in one of the recent issues of Batman, um, Harlequin uses um, uh, Poison Ivy's uh, uh, serum from one of the, you know, that she that she can pull together from her plants to um, basically take Batman off of the board. And we get in and out for three or four issues, Batman basically tripping balls and hallucinating that Alfred's back from the dead talking to him, that he's out with, you know, that he's a kid again. It, it was just, 
you know, at this point, it's been done so many times. I just wish there was another way, you know, we could take Batman down. Now, on the flip side of that, over the course of these books, the Joker and the other villains have taken the Batman family, if you will, apart one way or another. Um, I don't want to give too many spoilers, but, um, you know, there's a famous Batman um, story that involves him shooting uh, Commissioner Gordon's daughter and paralyzing her. Well, that character, is, you know, she's Batgirl, and in the comic books they use, um, you know, nanites and technology and implants, and she eventually is able to walk again and become uh, Batgirl. Um, there's a bunch of different Robins from over the years, and... Um, they've all been either converted by the Joker, poisoned, and are now working with him, or even worse, um, they've been part. They've been trying to fight him, fight the Joker, and um, we're just. I'm I'm just about up to issue 100, which of Batman, which is supposed to be kind of the big wrap, the big uh, you know climax of the story and um i thought that the 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 people that wrote the comic did it in a, a super job of reinforcing the idea of family so uh, batman eventually recovers from being poisoned and one by one and then with the help of the people he you know his family members that he's reclaiming back from the joker or back from something he's done to them to bring his family back together. So it feels like this is going to be just a really good stepping on point because Batman now has all of his resources available to him. Alfred is still unfortunately gone. Um, the other thing that was great in the Joker War is the new villain or Joker's new girlfriend, Punchline. And the, the plot thread that revolves around Harlequin, who used to be the Joker's girlfriend, coming to terms with the Joker now having a new girlfriend and her part in supporting his, uh, you know, war on Gotham City, the Joker War. Um, I recommend the issues. I think the art in these books has been just fabulous. And like I said, I really feel like even the extra issues that, you know, kind of weighed down the price tag of the series, if you will, um, that each of those issues was well worth it. So good deal there. Now, uh, moving right along, let's talk about recent issues of Spider-Man because on the one hand, I was, you know, same idea. I pulled off six issues off to the side but and read those in, in, in a pretty good uh, you know, in two sittings. And what we end up with is there's a lot of parallels. And, you know, Marvel and DC have been, you know, bouncing or uh, let, borrowing story ideas back and forth for years and years. But, I mean, right now, at the same time, <laughs> some of this does feel a little bit forced because for... Uh, Spider-Man's anniversary, his 850th issue, of course we have to bring the Green Goblin back onto the table. So, um, in the same way that Batman 
is now fighting his arch nemesis, the Joker. It is now Spider-Man's turn to fight his arch nemesis, the Green Goblin, who has the same color scheme as the Joker, but I think that's that's a topic for a whole nother, uh, <laughs> a whole nother podcast. Um, one of the differences, or one of the parallels here, is both Batman and Spider-Man um, kind of have this no-kill creed, meaning they don't uh, condone or won't support uh, killing even a villain, even if that villain is a murderer, or if that villain is the Green Goblin, for example, who has killed and killed and killed, and every time Spider-Man beats him, or kill, or um, by accident somehow, because the Green Goblins died and come back a couple of times. It's comic books after all. But, uh, you know, Spider-Man has this creed, you know, even though he's back from the dead, you still can't kill him. And at the same time, he also feels the guilt of every time the Goblin escapes, he's worse than the time before. Sound familiar? Kind of like the Joker, right? So Batman will ultimately beat the Joker, but at what cost? How many people have to die for Batman to finally get around to capturing the Joker only to have him either a few months, a few weeks, a few years escape and then eventually uh, wreak havoc and, and have more kills. So it's, it's an interesting kind of meditation on, you know, they have these no kill creeds, but yet that leads to more killing. So um, in the Spider-Man book, uh, they bring in all of the extended Spider-Man family. Again, sound familiar? So Batman at one time was good enough. We had Batman and Robin and then Batgirl and then Batwoman and Batwing. And <laughs> it goes on and on. And over the years now, Spider-Man, there's a couple of Spider-Men. Uh, you got Miles Morales. We got Spider-Woman. You got Spider-Gwen. We got... Gwen Poole, uh, we've got Madam Web, and you know they kind of build this this family around. And as Spider-Man is once again wrestling with his own inner monologue about, okay, you know I have to go. I'm the only one that can take you know take care of this situation. But in order for me to take care of this situation, you know I'm going to have to let you know. Do I let do I let uh, the Green Goblin die? Does, you know, do I let this thing happen to him? So um, it was just, uh, you know, it was pretty obvious that both Marvel and DC are drinking from the same Kool-Aid right now. And uh, it was almost, you know, typically one kind of follows the other where one will have like a really exciting idea and run a story and then the other one will kind of borrow it and change it a little bit. So for me to have both of these kind of very similar stories running at exactly the same time, um, I don't know, the comics are expensive. And if, if they're going to keep, you know, if this is going to continue where, you know, I'm getting two separate series about two different types of characters, yet they're only going to give me one kind of story, it's just another, you know, it's another nail in the coffin for the, for the old print comic book. Um, now, of the two series, I'd say the Batman had the superior artwork. It was consistently, um, like I want to say, rich. Um, the Spider-Man books are great. The, you know, the art's clean. I have a couple of shots here. And, you know, 
But as you can see, look at the backgrounds, not a whole lot of detail, just a bunch of speed lines and things. Looks like the backgrounds were done, um, you know, on a computer. If you look at the Batman books, they're, they're fully penciled and inked and, and, and so, so rich in detail. I'm going to scroll back up here so you can take a look at, uh, you know, a little bit of the difference here. And this is just some of the promo art, although um, this, this here with the Joker eyes Batman or the, or the Joker in a modified bat suit holding a gun to Batman's head here. This is uh, from issue 99. So we're heading, like I said, right into issue 100. All right. So I think we got through the comics. So let's do a little old new music. All right, Roger Waters <laughs> from Pink Floyd fame. Uh, the mastermind behind the wall, one of the creative partners for uh, Dark Side of the Moon, Wish You Were Here, Animals. And uh, of recent, he has been putting together and touring, um, well, first The Wall, and in between, he has been releasing some pretty solid solo albums. But mm, I have to say that I would imagine that most of the income these days for Roger Waters has been coming from these, these crazy tours he puts on. Now, the tickets are very expensive. But from what I've seen from the video, now I haven't gone to any of these shows myself. But each time they release one or more of these out on like a Blu-ray or as a pay-per-view, I try to grab it and um, take a look. And Roger Waters, you know, okay, let's, first of all, he's British, so he's not even American here. And the music from us and them is 80, almost 90% Pink Floyd music that was written well before you know from you know well before 1980 so um while some of the ideas political themes and social unrest are similar to what was happening back then the the characters or the characters listen to me um the individuals that are involved or in government are not the same but roger waters like I have to say for a British guy, this guy is so angry with um, Trump and everything that goes with that. And large portions of his show, especially the video stuff, has been worked in to um, go with these old Pink Floyd tracks and now give them new, you know, breathe new life into them with new visuals over the top. And he unabashedly just continue, you know, he just bashes Trump for literally the entire set. Now, um, I was able to kind of get past that and kind of focus in on the music because I love these Pink Floyd tunes and the band that Roger Waters has assembled over the years. And at this point, this group, he's got to be, be playing with them as long as he was, you know, active with Pink Floyd in one respect. And these guys go out and play these tunes night after night after night. And it is just rock solid. So, you know, I, I you know, once I once I was able to make peace with Angry Roger, 
I was able to kind of settle into how tight this band was so tight and almost every nuance and in some cases adding a lot of new texture and context to um, the Pink Floyd songs. And if you ask me, I think the band did a better job of representing this material um, to the next generation or to, or to us again in a, in, a, in a very impressive way. And, and I think the band doesn't get enough credit because most people will just focus on the visuals. But if you look away and just listen to the music, um, unbelievable. Now, the third piece to this is the show is so massive. At one point, literally the, the cover of Animals is kind of built up in the stadium. So the whole power plant with the pig balloon floating around. I mean, all of that stuff. I think we may have hit a glitch here, so we're going to do a quick pause. All right, maybe I can I can clip that out. I can clip that out a little bit later. Um, um, not used to all having all of the got three different screens going to keep the podcast. So, anyway, so I was talking about how massive the show was between the lights and the sets and the. the there has to be at least 20, 21 people in the band. It was um, the Blu-ray, I think, did a great job with the sound. And, you know, the visuals, like I said, once we got past uh, Angry Roger and they kind of settled into some of the um, classic Pink Floyd jams, he kind of turned, turned, down, <laughs> turned down his anger and leaned, leaned into the jams. And overall, I think, uh, you know, the rest of the the night was better for it all right here we go standing on the edge does everybody else feel like we're on the edge um like i said i'm not going to get overly political here but i just uh, you know a couple of comments in, in a day or two um things are going to change again uh one way or the other and one of the things that I've just noticed in general in this particular cycle, and it didn't start in this cycle, obviously it was part of the last cycle and even the cycle before that, but, um, you know, America being further pushed to the edges of, of what, and this is Sean's opinion, is of what the intentions of the founding fathers with their flaws and, and tendencies and, uh, you know, everything that was wrong with them. But, you know, at the heart of it, the idea would be that, you know, we would as a country, as, as a people, as the American people would move forward. We would continue to um, progress forward. Now, human nature, right? There's there's people that are drivers, the you know the A types, uh, the hunters versus the gatherers, versus the farmers. I mean, there's all different types of people in the world, and you need all different types of people in the world for a country or a civilization or a community to work. And within that community, there, you're going to have differences, and 
it was the balance in how um, people with different interests or in some cases dis, uh, you know opposite opinions on, on on matters of policy or life or law would resolve those things and you know it, it, it's funny because they talk about hey you know plant uh, you know our poles the north pole and the south pole the magnetic poles you know they can flip on a on on a planet or even on earth and even our political parties have flipped over time but if you take away republican or democrat and just kind of think about you know um you know progressive versus conservative and like I was saying, hey, there's always going to be a group of people that want to progress and move forward and get to the next thing and do it as quick as possible with, a, you know, uh, you know, kind of that urge to just let things kind of keep happening, keep chewing it up. And conversely, there's there's people that have more conservative views, which were that, hey, you know, not so fast. We got to take time to understand what the implications of these actions are. Is there a different decision or a different path that we might want to consider? And, or if it was, you know, a direct disagreement, well, we both can't have our way. What can, what sort of agreement or what sort of middle ground can we find so that we could keep moving forward? I also felt like science and logic always had a place in both uh, just across the board, if you will. And I think about, you know, the advances we've had in technology and medicine and space and um, communications. And if, you know, if science is all bullshit and none of it's true and everything's, a, you know, everything's a hoax, then, you know, we wouldn't be where we are today because... We would have, we wouldn't have made the steps, the leaps, in some cases, forward that we had in the past because we trusted science and technology. And I mean, that's all the way back. I mean, talk about just going from iron to steel. Well, somebody had to build the first building. Somebody had to trust. Somebody had to understand that if we you know mix these different types of metals together at a high temperature and process them we now end up with something stronger that can be used to to, to build you know build a whole new world and then you know the next steps forward so you know i i, I don't know that like all science you know what happened to science and logic and even that's become politicized now so if you believe in science and logic you're an educated elite, and obviously that means you're a liberal, which obviously means that you want to burn everything down. And I don't know that that's necessarily true, that you can, you know, that everything has to go that far. You know, what happened to kind of that push and pull? But I always felt like we continued to move forward on the backs of logic and science because that was the one place where everybody could agree, right? So... You know, would we have cell phones? Would we have, um, you know, the, the types of advances we've had with medicine and robots doing surgery and laser eye surgery? I mean, all of this stuff, <clears throat> if, if, if it was all shady and had, you know, political agendas. And I think that's why over the years you hear about people that, well, you know, hey, they've worked 
in these areas for their whole lives without any political affiliation because it's about the science it's about understanding and if you want to pull that back to life then i mean this is like one of the themes across literature religion right which is balance right you can't be all one side or all the other there has to be a back and forth if there's going to be a momentum and energy and a progression forward right the yin the yin and the yang I don't know if you're a Star Wars person, right? We have to bring balance to the force. And, you know, Judeo-Christian um, uh, tradition, you have heaven and hell. You know, would one exist without the other? And, you know, it is a struggle. And at different times, different, you know, there's things things go one way or the other. But right now, I think we're we're on the edge of something. And hopefully... It's something that will start to bring us forward again. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to cast a lot of shadows or get into it all. And actually, you know what? Here, let me do this. So I'm going to do something I don't think anybody's going to expect from me. But here, where I live in Novato, I'm going to share a picture of a house. And here you go. So. This is one of the houses, so everybody thinks the California is like super liberal and all of that. I got news for you people. Um, but here is my two cents on this. I have absolutely no problem with this. And, you know, the Constitution is all about property rights. So this, this family, this person, this gentleman, this woman, I, I don't even know who lives here. I don't care. But <clears throat> this is their house and their property. And every single one of those banners, signs, whether you agree with it, disagree with it, is on their property. Okay, so a couple of things. Number one, absolutely, like this, like, like this is how you're supposed to do it, I would think, right? And again, it doesn't matter whether I agree with it or not, but the idea that he, you know, they have taken the time to get passionate about something and then share that with their neighbors from their property. I think we could do this all day long. I think what we don't need are people getting in pickup trucks and chasing down the um, chasing down the, the bus, the Biden bus down in Texas and trying to slow it down. And, you know, it's just the good, good, good natured, Trump train trying to protect, you know, I, I don't know that that like that's not free speech. That's that's aggression. You're you're actively like trying to create a problem and for no reason other than just to create a problem. And to me, that's that's the bigger problem than who gets elected president and who doesn't. You know, I think we should take a lot of the power away from all of these people in Washington. And the easiest way to do that is to stop giving it to them, is to stop looking to people in Washington, whoever's in power, to, to, to take care of your problems where you live. We have local elections. You have school boards. Most of your taxes occur where you live. The schools that educate our kids are in your town. What, you know, the types of businesses, roads, policing, all of these things are controlled, believe it or not, at the local level. And that's where you can exact change. So, 
you know, I think you should get out and vote. I think everybody should uh, vote their conscience, no matter what it is. And I also think that whatever the results are, that people just need to get over it one way or the other <clears throat> and see what we could do to maybe try to bring all of us back to some things that we can share together so that we don't have to be red versus blue. So we don't have to have people that scream and yell at people that are making $10, $12 an hour making coffee or trying to stock the shelves. You know, my wife works at, at one of the local grocery stores. And again, right now, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of an important job. That's one of the places that's still open. It's one of the places where we go to get food because the restaurants and other places aren't, aren't open anymore. A lot of them are out of business. And, you know, can you, you know, can't you have a little bit of compassion for those people? You know, they don't deserve, you know, to be yelled and screamed at for trying to do their job and take care of everybody in the community. So, um, I think that's where I'm going to kind of pull it in for tonight. Uh, overall, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat excited about the election because like I said, we're going to get, we're going to get a change one way or the other. And, and that, and if people can just calm down, I think we'll be able to get through it no matter what the outcome is. And if you want to, uh, you know, fly your flag, put up your banner, share your ideas, then I think your Facebook page is appropriate for that. I think your front yard is appropriate for that. I think if you want to ask and engage people in one-on-one -on -one conversation, that's, that's appropriate as well. Um, but let's, let's keep the anger and the judging of other people based upon what some of their ideas are. Uh, to a minimum over the next couple of days and you know our kids are watching us here so that's what I got for you guys this week um, there's Jackson as always standing by at the ready um, I thank you for dropping in and uh, oh yeah I didn't even mention okay yeah COVID cut so there you go that's a fresh one today uh, couldn't take it I think I threatened it last week but we finally went ahead and dusted off the clippers and and put them to action. So until next week, Left Coast Love 2020 and uh, stay off the edge. Thanks. Good night.